0: The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life. It's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth, an asset, without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Soane, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Soane, and welcome to another episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And this one's a little bit different, because the other day I had a really good conversation with two guys that have teamed up to start their, their property investment journey. And I wanted to share that conversation with you for a few reasons. First of all, they are in a very similar position to a lot of people that have a bit of cash available to them. I think they had 40 grand, 45 grand between them. Um, they've got a bit of cash available and want to get into property investing. Not 100% sure where and how to start. They've got some ideas um, and some thoughts on how they could do it and what they need to do. They've been listening to loads of podcasts, including mine. They've been watching loads of YouTube videos and they've been on some training courses. They've followed a lot of property people um, to try and grow their own education. So they're doing all the right things. Um, And I think that's important. Look, you can either pay a load of money to go on a training course and get someone to teach you who's been there and done it or is in the industry doing it. Um, You could do that. Or you can go and learn for yourself. It maybe takes a bit more time, but it's free and you can do it at your own pace. And you can research and learn the things that you want to research and learn about. So those guys, these two guys are in that exact position where they have that money available to them. They've got the drive and motivation to start investing in property, have got some ideas of where to start, but not 100% certain on what they need to do and when they need to do it. Um, And so they contacted me to book one of my discovery calls. And a discovery call is just simply where we have a chat. I understand what they look to achieve, where they're starting, what they're trying to get to, um, numbers, strategies. And then I give advice on what strategy they could go for, what sort of properties they could buy, what sort of yields they can expect, risks, contingencies, what to protect yourself from, what to watch out for. And that's the sort of things I go for. I go through. Um, So during that call, I want you to have a listen to it because I came away from that call. These guys are really ambitious. They're really motivated. They're lovely, lovely blokes. I think we really got on well. Uh, Well, I think we did. (laughs) I think we did. Um, But I came off of that call and actually gave me a bit more ambition. I felt a little bit motivated from them So (laughs) that's kind of why I wanted to share this conversation. Not only is there some really good tips and strategies and ideas and um, plans and things to think about um, for anybody who wants to start out in property investing, even anybody who's already property investing and wants to expand, but also I want you to hear these guys' stories and Take a bit of motivation for yourself and take some ideas and grow your own ambition of what you could achieve. Um, So, these guys are really looking at buy to lets and flip to lets. Um, So, there's a little strategy in there for them too. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, if you want to book a, a discovery call as well, if maybe you've got a bit of cash available to you and you want to start investing in property, but you need a little bit of guidance, my discovery calls are free. It's normally about half an hour or so where we just talk about what is open to you, what's available to you, what sort of things you can do. So uh, if you want to do that, contact me through the Facebook page or contact me by email, which is tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. But until then, I'll leave you with the rest of the interview. Um, and hopefully, hopefully you enjoy. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
1: And Basically, you know, Gary, I'm 45. I'm going to be 45 this year. So I'm getting on in years. Um, I've been in sales for the majority of my career, um, mainly in in um, car fleet sales. Um so it was business sales, a company called Lex Auto Lease. Um I know so Yeah, yeah. So I was I was in there for a a number of years. Then went over to Arnold Clark, um, doing fleet uh, business, fleet sales again. Yeah, for there. Um, Then I went to a small, small, um, just small fleet sales, um, company there, or just actually just cut leasing sales. That was personal, personal leasing sales. Um, then I went on, so took the jump from cars into health insurance to Vitality Health. Yeah, Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah, so selling health insurance um, in there for a while. And then um, I've moved down to London. Now, So this is all in Manchester, born and bred in Manchester. Um, But then I've moved down to London just over a year now to be with my partner. Um, And now I'm at a company called Mondelez International. Um, So they're a big uh, American company, but basically they own um, Cadbury's, Cadbury's Chocolate, they own Oreo, the own Belvita, the own Ritz, the own lots of the confectionery side of things, but the main one obviously is is Cadbury. Um, do you get free stuff? My, oh yes, they do. They do. They send, like a, at Christmas, they sent a big box, like big hamper of things that I'm still trying to get through now, which is, <laughs> you know, and I'm Bye. I'm a chocoholic as well i've got a really bad sweet tooth so um and but they they gave us a lot so definitely appreciate that um Mm. but in this in the in the sales role at the moment so um well our fancy role is a fancy title should i say is um sales development executive uh, but basically it's just a sales rep but i manage 120 um small convenience stores so um it ranges from corner shops right up to like your spa, Londis, um, Budgens, uh, Nisa. So uh, um, uh, so basically I just manage them. Or, um, and, and that's where I am at the moment. Um, awesome. I just sold a property up in Manchester. So I, I was living in Manchester. I had a mortgage. I was on a um, shared ownership. Yeah. Um, with that, that was the only way I could get my foot in the door. So I had that property for like 15 years. And it was literally just to live there forever. I, I was born and bred there, but... Once I met my, my partner, she's from London. Um, obviously life changes, you know. So um I've decided i decided to sell that property, move down to London, obviously start a new life down here. Um just sold that property literally a month ago, if that, if that, just a few weeks ago. Um, so obviously that and again my, my thought behind that initially my thought was I was going to um actually rent that out. Um, I was going to rent that out for a while, make some money off that, and then hopefully, um, go towards a deposit down for the houses for a house down here for me and my missus. Um, obviously, as you know, the prices are ridiculous down here. Oh, um, yes. we're all in, we're in West London. Um, uh, we're in West London at the moment. Um, she wants she wants to stay over west. Um, but then because my um, I, I didn't re- again I didn't realize at the time because I was just getting I just needed a house just to get on the on the um on the property ladder um i didn't realize that i couldn't under the agreement that i had with the share ownership i couldn't get the um i couldn't rent out it was either sell or basically that was it um so i sold it just wondering what to do with the money the money was going to go towards a deposit for a new house for us but then um my cousin Curtis, who you'll speak to shortly um he, because um, he's got a couple of businesses already, um, but he was, he's looking to get into property. So just like, you know what, let's, let, you know, let's do it. Let's, um, let, let's, let's start this thing. So um, that, again, the conversation it has been, it started about three or four weeks ago. We're four weeks in the making. We're just trying to do a, um, like I said, a joint venture. Um, we're, we're setting up a property business just between us two at the moment. Obviously we, we've grown up together, you know, so a long time. So we've got that trust there. However, he's been speaking to accountants um, just to find out the, the, the correct route to go down with yeah. regards to setting up the company and obviously the tax implications um, with that. Um, also, let me just see. <clears throat> oh. Oh yeah, sorry. I was just checking if it was him calling me then. Um, so yeah, so we're just checking. Um, so yeah, he, he, We've been looking into that side of things, obviously building a strategy as well. As you know, and as you've probably spoken to hundreds of people like in our position, you know, we've been trying to get as much information and as much detail as property uh, as, as as possible. Um, and then just to get our first property and basically, you know, just to get out there jump in, you know, feet first. Um, so we're really excited. We're at that moment there. We've got capital. We're ready to go. But then we'll speak to certain people or they'll say, oh, yeah, you, you know, your, your strategies, we, we'll go through the strategy with them and exactly how we feel, we think it, you know, it should go and hope it should go. Um, but then, and some people say, yeah, just jump in, go for it, you know, and, and listening to your podcast, you know, you say, you know, don't don't be afraid, just do it. You know, there's, there's <laughs> nothing to lose. Um, but then... Other people have said, you know, just slow down a little bit, make sure you've you've got as much information as you 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 know you you can. Um, you know, you your due diligence. And um, that's a big thing for for both of us, but especially for me as well. But definitely for both of us, we need to make sure we have that um to simplify it, just have a tick sheet basically, you know, just have it, you know, to put it in in its its simplest form, have a tick sheet of have we checked this, have we checked that, have we checked this, have we checked that? We checked this, we checked that um so we want to make sure we've got that. we we're quite the, we're doing quite well with um like contractors as well. So um Curtis, he, he's got some contacts there that are possibly, you know, trustworthy contact contractors who will already do that as well. So that side of things because um I don't know if you saw we you know we, we do want to um buy to let's but if, if a property comes up we could we'll happily do um um, by just flipping as well, but mainly by to let. That's the that's the main thing, um, and obviously, um, so we're, we're down the line with that. There, we've got um, trusted people, um, areas as well. I mean, again, it would be just on the areas. What 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 possible areas that would be best to hit um, for us? Um, obviously, I know Manchester fairly well, pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. So certain Manchester's, they're getting developed as well quite rapidly as you probably are aware um so um but then also being down in london we are looking probably possibly on the on the outskirts of london as well as places that are not too far from us because again we, we again because there's so much information with regards to property you know people so we get people say you know find places within an hour um or maybe an hour 30 from where you live it's easier to manage but then we get people to say you know what if you find a, a good area a good hot spot you know if, if it's you know two three four hours away you know then jump on it so um yeah yeah that's where we are at the moment uh okay talking um,
0: yeah, sorry and and welcome along mate you must be uh your curtis
2: you're on mute at the moment, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, I'm Curtis. Uh, All right.
0: give us a quick rundown of, of yourself, mate, and uh, cheers for that, Gary. I've got a load of notes written, I wasn't ignoring, I was writing notes. I know, I know, that's fine. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and address each point as well, but um, yeah, bring Curtis in, see what
2: yeah, your situation. So, right, so, 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 very brief, um, turned 40 in March, um, I've been saving money for how many years built up a bit of capital thought I was good with money, but actually I was just, I was just good at saving and not, and not investing um, through fear probably. And also just through not knowing about joint ventures. Um, like 10, 15 years ago, I said to a group of my close friends, let's put some money together and and um, and buy property, but I just never kicked off um, probably because we were like, Oh, you know, doing mixing business and pleasure is not always a good thing. Um, so where I am now is um I, run a, I, I work 9 to 5 looking to leave that latest April um, next year get a decent wage, I'm head, I'm head of a department um, or head of a team um, and I want to replace at least 70% of my income um, um, at the moment um, my goal long term is freedom, I want to build up passive income so that I can um, live part of the year abroad and other part of the year back in the UK um, and um there's one more thing i was going to say um i can't remember but that's that's the rundown i want freedom i want to build up passive income mainly through property sorry i also run a few event companies and wedding and a wedding business so um nice. i'm looking to so i'm not going to be relying totally on on um on property that will be the my other income streams and obviously I, well obviously but i will get into other things as as the time as, as i have more freedom um, so my main things are going to be events, weddings, and property.
0: Cool. That sounds good, mate. And I, I guess that's where the, the calculation of 70% of your income comes from, because then you're you're going to basically get income from your events and your weddings, and then you're going to have income from property so that you can sack off the, the nine till five. And uh, yeah, I like it. Good plan, guys. Um, I definitely think that, um, well, so the the first question I would ask you is, what sort of cash pot do you have available to start off with?
2: So, um, for me, I have access to um, forty thousand pound cash, um, yeah. and I would like to retain ten thousand for an emergency fund of that forty thousand. Ideally, I'm happy, I'm willing to um, to invest um, the forty thousand or thirty thousand. Um, with the target of, of taking it back out via a refinance within six to, six to 12 months.
1: Okay. Cool. And on, on, on top agree? of that, for myself, like 15, at the moment, I'm just like 15K, but I'm also thinking possibly to, to get it up to, to 20K. Um, still not had the full conversation yet with, um, with my missus, just to make sure we've got that um, covered. As as always, but I'm looking at the moment they definitely 15, 15 can definitely go in there on top of obviously Curtis's 30 to 40.
0: Cool. That's perfect. You won't need much more than that. Um at any point to get certainly to get started. Um, all right. So so I guess what you'd you look for from me would be um How do you get started? What's the first thing to do? What sort of strategy do I envision that you could work with? Um, And as with all of these things, I would give you my opinion on what I would do if I was in your position. Um, I definitely think, look, you've got, you've got the two sides of people. You get some people that want to wait and hold on and learn everything they want to learn or learn everything they think they need to learn and, You're always listening to podcasts. You're always reading articles and books and doing courses and masterclasses and webinars and all that. And what I find with a lot of those people is that they're always doing that. And they're never actually doing something that's going to generate some profit. Because I think that's what the fear is you mentioned earlier, that's the fear, is that you think, right, I need to know everything that could possibly be learned about property so that it can't go wrong. And if you're protected in that way, you go into your first property investment knowing everything. It can't go wrong because I know everything. Well, you never get there, mate, unfortunately. (laughs) I don't know everything. And unfortunately, in property investing, you are so heavily reliant on external factors like people. You could rent out that property to an absolute bad tenant, so to speak. But you don't know that yet and you won't know until you get into it. You could buy a property and the property market crashes. We don't know that. You could buy a property and interest rates soar. You don't know it. And no training courses or podcasts or anything can really tell you that. And this is where I think a lot of people for, sort of stop themselves. And I'm the same, I, what, few number of years ago, I had money available to me and I, took me took me eight months or something like that to just even go and get my first property, even though I see, you know, back then I was seeing 20 properties a week. But my fear was telling me, oh, no, 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 don't get this property because the roof will fall off or the tenant's going to not pay rent or they're going to smash the house up, I won't be able to get them out or the property market's going to, you know, all of these things. So I never actually invested. My money sat in the bank not earning a penny and it was really frustrating. So in the end, I said to myself, okay, enough's enough, Tom. The next property that comes along that ticks my boxes, I'm buying it. It might not be the most profitable property I could ever find, But as long as it makes profit, then I'm off and I'm running and I'm started. Um, And then I taught myself a few little things about calculating the worst case scenarios so that if you're investing 45 grand of your cash between you, before you do that, you calculate what is the worst case scenario. And I'll give you a couple of those. First of all, if you buy a property... um, I'm just making these numbers up, right? So if you buy a property for 100 grand up in Manchester, let's say, um, and that's going to rent out for 650 or £600 a month, let's just say. And you buy it, you stick a tenant in there, and at some point that tenant just stops paying rent. That's a pretty big fear, isn't it? Because all of your money's gone in there, you've still got to pay your mortgage, um, still got to pay your insurance and, and management and whatever. So that tenant just stops paying rent. So in normal circumstances, it's going to take you about eight months to get that tenant out and get a new tenant in, yeah? Now, yeah. during that time, you're probably going to have mortgage payments of, I mean, again, I'm just making these figures up. You're probably going to have mortgage payments of £350 a month, something like that, uh, maybe 300 going to have to pay management of about 60 quid a month and maybe your insurance is i don't know 10 or a month or whatever so it's going to take you eight months to get rid of that tenant and that's going to cost you 370 pounds a month so now you know that the worst case scenario the worst that could go wrong is that tenant stops paying your rent and it's going to cost you three thousand pounds over eight months. So the other thing to remember is that if that does happen, it goes through the courts and you can claim that debt back because that goes down as a debt owed to you by that tenant. Yeah. So yes, you're losing 3,000 pounds over the course of eight months, but then after that tenant has been evicted and the debt has been applied via a county court judgment, you can then start getting it back. So that's one of the worst case scenarios. Another worst case scenario would be that property prices drop. You buy that place for a hundred grand and then over the course of the next couple of years, prices just drop and drop and drop and drop. So now we have to work out the worst case scenario for that. And in order for you to be in negative equity, meaning your house is worth less than you owe on the mortgage, then property prices would need to drop by 25%. Not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. I mean, the last yeah. time that happened was in the war, <laughs> right? Uh, so I think we're all right. Um, and also this is an investment. So you're you're not buying it to sell in the next couple of years. You're buying it to rent out, to get that rent income, And hopefully in 20 years time, because you're only 40 in 20 years time, when you're 60, the idea is that then it's worth, you know, you bought it for a hundred and in 20 years time, it's worth two. Something like that. That's, that's the goal. So really property prices are always going to go up and down generally over time. They, they stagger upwards, but at the end of, at the end of those ups and downs you're not selling that property you've still got rent coming in so we're safe we're okay and lastly if the absolute disastrous worst case scenario happens and property prices do drop by 25 then you owe 75 grand the property's worth 75 grand you just give it back to the mortgage company or sell it give it back to the mortgage company for a lot less and you've lost your initial investment but if that happens after five years you will have received rent income so okay if the country or the world goes into absolute disaster and it all goes terribly wrong you're only going to lose that that little bit of equity that deposit you put down on that house that's what you stand to lose and you know that's uh Unfortunate, it's terrible, very, very unlikely, but then we're also investing, it's not risk-free. Um, but I would say, you know, then then you've got general maintenance, things like what, what can go wrong in that house? And the most common issue that houses have, for an example, is plumbing and heating. That's the most common. Plumbing, heating, electrics, those sorts of things. Um, and generally speaking, you look at the, the normal day to day, you might have to send a plumber out to that property once, maybe twice a year to turn the pilot light back on. Or I don't know, you know, maybe maybe if something's gone wrong with the electrics, but you know, it might cost you a couple hundred quid across the course of a year. That's normal. Worst case is that you need to replace the boiler. Fifteen hundred quid. But the the important thing to remember is that if you calculate this as as a financial investment or a mathematical calculation, it's 1,500 quid to replace and install a boiler. And you won't then need to do that again for at least 10 years. Right? So it's 150 pound a year over that 10 years. Now, most boilers do go on into their 20s. You can normally, you know, if you service it each year, which you probably would um, as a landlord, then most boilers will last 20 years. So now it's 75 quid a year over the course of 20 years. So it's fine. No problem. Just pay yourself back. If you if you've had to pay out 1500 quid, just pay yourself back 75 pound a year for 20 years. Simple as that. Um, So, yeah, those are the main... Look, there's other risks. Of course, there are other risks. But like I say, if you've got 45 grand sat in the bank now, I'd probably say that you're... Right now, you could go and buy a good buy-to-let property right this second. Um, probably in Manchester, I was going to recommend, based on the numbers we're talking, Manchester's a really good rental market. Really good. And if you buy... Um, So at the moment, I know that Salford's being looked at quite heavily by big people in property, big people, big companies, big developers, big house builders, um, big commercial builders as well. So Salford is looking good to me, which typically, and I don't know if you lived anywhere near that, but typically Salford would be a bit of a, yeah,
1: (laughs) avoid Salford, right?
0: (laughs) But there's a lot of money going in in that area.
1: Um, Well, yeah, we've been discussing that as well, Tom, with regards to the um, Media City is getting built up around there. Um, My brother lives just like that side, uh, North Manchester as well. So that was an area that we were thinking about because of Media City and just how everybody, a lot of um, well, the the media is is moving down there or, or has done. Already, mm-hmm. so yeah, right. Like, we, we were thinking of, of, of that side as well, and and, it's, and especially you say Salford. My missus, she did um have a um an apartment in Salford, uh, was renting an apartment um, in Salford, but it was on the border of Salford and and the city centre. So she got the the slightly che- at that time. sleep well, obviously it's cheaper prices than playing central Manchester prices. So yeah, that is one place, one area that we we've discussed as well. So yeah,
0: yeah. And, and look, you, you've always, if you're going to invest in other areas, then it's really clever, I think, to chase employment. Um, wherever there's going to be an influx of employment, go after it, because it means that more people are going to be living in that area. And the more people that want to live in an area, the, the, the bigger the demand, the bigger the demand, the bigger the price. And it just
1: keeps escalating. But, but how do you chase that employment there, Tom? That's find, another thing. I mean
0: Find areas where there's big commercial development. And you can normally look at things like, for example, if you follow a company like Taylor Wimpey or um, Berkeley Homes or any of the big major house builders and find out where they're developing. Now, they've got hundreds of people whose sole job is to find growth areas. All
1: right. And,
0: yeah. Okay. So you just follow them. Now, you're, you're never going to have that team. But What you can do is just jump on their train, <laughs> you know, if their <laughs> trains go into Manchester, then you go to Manchester, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but certainly, uh, the again, you'll have that knock on effect, right? So, if take um, Manchester for an example, over the last decade, there's been an absolute ton of investment <laughs> going into Manchester development, commercial, um, tourism. Residential, there's been billions piled into Manchester. And that's why Manchester prices have just done that over the last oh. 10, 15 years. Um, and what tends to happen when you pour an absolute ton of money into a main city like that, then the prices go up. And the people that would normally have bought a property for £60,000 are now having to pay £100,000. So they have to by default, look external, look look around. So they have to travel a bit out of the city because they can't afford to buy the house that they want to buy in the city. So that's why places like Salford and surrounding areas, those sorts of areas start jumping up. And then what happens is Taylor Wimpeys and all these huge house builders, they've done something in the city centers and now they're seeing that the uh, surrounding areas are starting to grow in value as well. So they go, oh, let's have a look at this place. So they start building in those places. You talked about media centers and stuff like that. It's all of those things make those surrounding, uh, would we call them suburbs? Yeah, those surrounding suburbs and yeah. areas, yeah? yeah. They just all uplift. So if you can get into those places and you pick up a good buy-to-let that makes good profit now... And you know, you know the area, so you'll know better than me which spots you would want to avoid and which spots you'd want to look at. Um, just buy them, buy it. And, and the, the thing is, I always try and say, I mentioned earlier on about those people that are always preparing, always preparing, mm-hmm. learning as much as they can, paying all this money for courses, which I don't disagree with, but if you're always preparing, you're never doing. And if you're never doing, you're never earning profit. And I would say, what would you rather have? You've got 45 grand. If I said to you, well, do all these training courses, do all of these learnings, and you know, wait, 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 wait. Or I tell you what, let's get your first one going. I'll give you £100 a month profit right now, right this second, or nothing. You'd take the 100 quid, wouldn't you? Yeah. Better to make something than nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it puts you in that position of if you just go ahead and buy a buy-to-let property right this second today, then it puts you in that position of at some point in the future, you might say, okay, we're on the ladder, we're making profit, we're doing something with our money. I've just found a property that's better than ours. So you, you buy a property today for hundred grand, but then in three months time, you get offered another property, which is gonna make you twice as much profit Great. You're already making profit. Sell that one. Buy the better one. Yeah, just go for it. It's as simple as that. Um, And you mentioned about as well uh, having some sort of checklist for due diligence. Yeah. Great one. That's a really good point. Um, A checklist for due diligence, right? And the main ones, this is just purely and simply off the top of my head of what I calculate when I'm looking at a property. So the first thing I work out before I even speak to an agent or talk to anybody is I work out my, what I would call a gross development value, a GDV. Um, What that is, is my end project value. So if I'm going to buy a place and refurbish it or, you know, do any cosmetic updating of it, um, what's it going to be worth when I'm done? And i'll work that out based on actual sold prices ignore what's on the market for now if it's if it's not sold it's not evidence it's purely and simply sold prices you can get all of that from Rightmove. move um on Rightmove, move by the way at the top of Rightmove, you can click on house price comparison click that put the postcode in of the places that you're looking at or the places that you've seen and that will give you properties that are on the market now, but unsold, all of the properties that are sold and all of the completed sales for that area. Um, so you look for a new workout. What is the value of that property once it's been done? But based that valuation on actual evidence rather than just what's on the market and unsold because it's unsold. So, you know, you don't really want to use those. That's the first thing I work out. The second thing I'll work out is the demand in that area. And you can look at the demand for selling as well as the demand for letting. Um, and I'll explain that in a second. But what you want to know is if you need to exit this property quickly, is there an active enough sale market for you to do that? And secondly, if you need to get a tenant into this property quickly, is there an active enough lettings market for that to happen? You know, it's all good and well buying a really cheap house in a village. But if there's only 100 people that live in that village, then there's not going to be such a high rent demand or, or buyer demand. Um, so the way to do that is you search that again, that postcode, and then add the radius of, say, half a mile or a mile around. So you type in your postcode into Rightmove, comes up with a search, a list of search results, and then you select um, a mile radius. And that should bring up, for an example, 100 properties that are on that on the market right now within, sorry, say 50 properties that are on the market right now, three bedroom houses in that area. And then you open up the filter, and you add sold properties. Uh, Because normally, right move won't include sold properties. So what you've now got is a list of 50 properties that are on the market available now. You click include sold properties, and then you might have 100 properties that include on the market and sold properties. If that's the sort of ratio, you know there's a really good movement of properties. Properties are going on the market and selling, going on the market and selling. So you now know there's high demand for residents to live in that area. If it's something like 50 properties on the market and five sold, probably not so much demand for that area. Yeah. Just gives you a bit of an, indi- I mean, that's not a hard <coughs> and fast rule, but it gives you an indication of what markets, what areas are, are
1: fast moving. Um- but what, when you say that, like what type of turnaround are you looking at there, Tom, then are you looking at if a house has been on the market for two to three months and then sold? Is, is that, still a good turnaround or yeah. would you expect them to be so quicker than that or what
0: yeah so uh, <laughs> properties at the moment in the uk are on average on the market for 91 days on average so look you, you you're going to get loads of properties that go on the market and sell in a week you're going to get loads of properties that go on the market and take a year to sell because they're overpriced but so the average property sale across the whole of the uk all property transactions is roughly speaking, three months that they sit on the market. The average time to go from a sale being agreed through to completion is another three months. So when you look at the correlation between properties going on the market and properties completed in a sale, then anything within six months is a about is tolerable. Um, but that will give you an idea of the demand. So the things that I check at that, valuation of the property at the end of the project. So once I own it, what's it worth? Yeah. Because normally speaking, if you're going to go and find property investment deals, you want to try and get something that's a bit below market value, right? Yeah. There's no point just scrolling through right move and picking out a house you like and paying full price for it. Um, you know, that's not really investing. That's well, I suppose it is, but what you want is a property that's investable. Um, so you know that's when you'll start working with i don't know if you're going to do all this yourself or you'd want to find sourcing agents that would find properties for you that's probably the best way to go um i'll talk about that in a second Uh, but generally speaking you've got um you've searched the valuation of the property once you own it because that then will give you the the amount that you can refinance down the line so if you're going to buy it with a buy to let mortgage today at 100,000, you now know that in two years time, it's probably worth 120 because you bought it cheap anyway. Yeah, means you can get another 15 grand out in two years time. Um, All of my properties that I buy have a two year plan on them. Um, I take a two year mortgage on on all my properties so I can get some cash out really
2: quick. Um, Sorry, sorry. sorry. So you you, you take a two year mortgage out? Yeah, a two year -year... fixed rate. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's just me. You, you'd need to speak to a good mortgage advisor. Um, yeah. Prefer? Do you know what? Actually, if you if you want, I'll connect you up with my mortgage advisor. He um he only does investment mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got thirty two properties himself. Um, so and he does all my mine for me. So if you want, I can connect you up so he can talk you through the right
1: especially if you're doing it
0: as a limited company then because that's how i do it as well
1: yeah yes please yeah please do
0: i'll i'll do that that his name's chris uh he doesn't work with everybody's uh you know pretty wealthy guy but does the mortgages as his business um but yeah if it comes from me then he'll work for for you i appreciate Um, that yeah, so that's the first thing. So the first thing is, yeah, the the end project value, the two-year strategy. Am I going to get how much money, how much of my money am I going to get back over that two years? If I can get all my money back, I'm very, very happy. If I can get most of it back, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> then there's the, uh, I mentioned about the demand, um, and then there's the demographic of that area. So this one comes this bit comes a little bit from just asking around. So Uh the best thing to do, if you're gonna buy a place in Salford for an example, then speak to the local letting agents, tell them that you've got a property in Salford, three bedroom house, um, that you might be renting out in the future and find out from them what types of tenants they can expect in that area and what types of rent those tenants will pay. And you'll, you'll always ask that question, is this street or this specific area a high concentration of um, housing benefit social housing that sort of stuff now that might not need to put you off but it just gives you an idea of exactly what types of tenants you can attract Um, a nice balance between the two is if you get a professional working tenant who has housing benefit top up. That's a nice little balance. I've actually found those to be quite good tenants because they're working, they are able to work and earn, but at this stage, they might have a child, so they get a bit of top up from housing benefit. Again, in my experience, you can never say that it is one rule for all tenants, I'm afraid. And the last thing that I do as part of my due diligence is calculate yield. And yield, I've saved the best till last, because yield is (laughs) definitely the most important part of your investing. And you should always work out your yield on cash rather than, you know, there's so many people that calculate it based on the annual rent divided by the purchase price. It's not, that's not your yield. Um, because really, if you're gonna buy a place for hundred grand, you only need 25 grand of your cash, right? Yeah. So the yield is your net profit against that cash that you have in that property.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and sorry if you already knew that, but it's you know, some people do, some people don't.
1: No, no, no. Definitely keep telling us because yeah, yield is one that I believe is really important, as you've just said. And yeah, so yeah, it's Tom, you're not I want to ask us you know. Yeah, Sorry, Tom, I won't ask you
2: about real yield. True yield. True that's it. True yield. I won't ask you about that yet. I'm maybe another yeah. conversation about true yield.
0: <laughs> yeah, true yield is uh, true yield's crazy. Um true yield is what it is, it is the true yield that you of your return on investment. Um, so you've got and, and I've actually started just steering away from true yield on my podcasts and on my videos and stuff just purely because. Unless you are, I would probably say a bit more, unless you're an experienced investor, then true, when I tell people about true yield, I I tend to see them glaze over a little bit. So I've sort of stopped talking about it. But what is true yield? Right, so we've talked about cash yield. How much cash, physical cash, are you putting into that property? And how much actual net profit are you receiving from that property? Now that's cash yield. True yield is an ever evolving figure which I update on my spreadsheets every single month. and it's based on if you've got uh, 25,000 pounds of equity, you buy a place for 100 grand, right you you do it up, you do something with it and it's now worth 125, right let's just say your investment is now 50 grand because you put 25 grand of cash in and you've grown the value by 25 grand. So you could actually sell that place and take that whole 50 grand out, pay yourself back your 25 grand and you've got 25 grand net profit, right? But you're not doing that. You're leaving that in there. So therefore, that is now your investment. If we're talking true yield, yeah, it's it's kind of like money out of pocket rather than money in pocket. Mm-hmm. So now your net profit technically is against all of the money that you're leaving in there in equity, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in equity and cash. Yeah. And then, technically, if you think of it like a business, then uh, you have you have a business in that property, and that business owes you twenty five thousand pounds of debt because mm-hmm. you've put you've loaned that property twenty five grand. So that yeah. property needs to start paying that debt back through the through the net profits. So if you're making, I'm just making this figure up, but if you're making uh, £400 a month in net profit, then the debt is coming down, but the equity is going up, right? Because if if you've got if you've bought it for £100,000, you've mm. added some value; it's now worth £125. You've got mm. 50 grand of equity. Yeah but 25 yeah, yeah. grand of that equity is debt owed to you. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: As that comes down, your equity goes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. so if you're making 400 pounds per month, that's that's 4800 a year and the property owes you 25 grand. We yeah. just do a simple calculation of 25 grand divided by 400 pounds a month in 62 months that debt will be repaid to you. I so this is, why, this is why it's an ever-evolving calculation. because And this is why I stopped talking about it, really. Um, <laughs> because now, if it takes five years to pay that debt back to you, during that five years, your property is going to grow in value mm-hmm. by 10 grand a year. Let's just say 10 grand a year. Mm-hmm. So now, your property that you bought for £100,000, we're five years down the line, it's now debt free, doesn't owe you a penny, but it's now uh, also worth 150 grand, or what? 100, and, yeah, 150 grand, uh, right? But you've only got a mortgage of 75. Yeah. So now your investment is 75,000 pounds because at any point you could sell that place and get that 75 grand out, but you're not. You're leaving it. You're keeping it. You're leaving it there, and you haven't refinanced. You've just left it all there. Uh, So now your equity is £75,000, but you're still only getting £400 a month in net profit. Uh, uh, So now it becomes uh, not a good investment because what's that? That's 4,8 divided by 75000 So it's now only 6.4% yield, which uh, is not good. However, I'm sorry. This is why I don't talk about it. However, if during that five years... You've refinanced and refinanced. And now you've got a place that's worth, that's paid all your debt back. And it's now worth 150 rather than 100. Uh-huh. But you've got a mortgage on that of 117 and a half. Let me work this out. <laughs> Times 75%. on oh, 112 and a half. So now you've uh-huh. got a mortgage of 112 and a half. Uh-huh you've now got equity of 37 and a half, and you're getting £4,800 a year back from it because you probably would have increased the rent as well and so on, so on, so on. Yeah. So now your yield is 12.8. <laughs> so there we go. So, so yeah. that, <laughs> as you get into it, as you really get into it, true yield is the true calculation of what your investment is actually doing so i've separated it off true yield is what your your investment vehicle is doing that property what is that doing cash yield is how is your cash working for you and that's a simple one how much physical cash did you put in and how much net profit are you getting out mm-hmm.
1: yeah
0: um so i hope
2: that that, that kind
0: of helps
1: <laughs>
2: does that all make sense i've tried to explain yeah. it does that all make it, sense it, it makes sense just the part that lost me was a bit where you said from where you went from six percent to to twelve percent that's the only yes. part that i probably just lost a bit of focus but um but so, yeah than- that's
0: that's a good point actually so if you um you're we're all agreed that you're th- this property that we've been talking about this one hundred pound property that rents out for 600 pound a month right mm-hmm if for an example you're making i'm just making these figures up you're making 400 pounds a month in net profit after you've paid your mortgage you paid your insurance you're making 400 quid right that's 4800 pounds per year
2: mm.
0: if you if after 5 years your property's now worth 150,000 pounds you still only have a mortgage of 75 so now you've got because yeah. you bought it with a mortgage of 75 Mm -hmm. so now you've got that equity yeah yeah yeah, 75 grand so again remember that your true investment is all money that you're leaving in the property because you could just sell that property and you could get that 75 grand equity in your pocket today but you're not you're leaving it in there so now that's you investing because you're leaving it in there you could have it but you're not so therefore based on on that calculation, if you've got 75 grand worth of equity that you're leaving in a property and that's only generating you £4,800 a month, uh, a year, a year. That profit, that's 6.4% return on investment.
1: Right. So okay.
0: You, if you then refinance that property, it's now worth 150 If you refinance it, mm. you could then take a mortgage of up to 112 and a half, Mm. That only leaves you, you've taken all that cash out, and that mm-hmm. only leaves you £37,500 of equity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So now that's I your investment.
2: Help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah totally you've can. got
0: more net profit against your, your investment. Yeah. So that's why true yield is, a, is it's an ongoing calculation. It's constantly evolving. And, and if I was to give you the general rule of thumb about true yield – then I would say keep your equity as low as possible, as small as possible, and your profits as high as possible. That's true uh, yield.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so, so the 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 main part that 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 there is to cover, I suppose, is where do you get these property deals? As I mentioned earlier on, you can either start working the estate agent, start nurturing them, go out and see a ton of properties and and choose one for yourself it's quite good fun doing that i used to really enjoy doing that i don't do it anymore (laughs) um i've got a team of people that get these properties for me now around the country but um your other option is to go through a sourcing agent who you have probably heard of before Um, and what they do is all the legwork they'll go and find properties that are off market um because again you can buy a, you can buy a property that's on the market no problem you you'll pick up some good deals as well potentially but if you want the real good deals you have to find the ones that are off market and those are normally collected by sourcing agents um whose job who've spent years basically integrating with agents and lawyers and accountants and um, repossession firms and auctioneers and um, they also now know their area and they are able to spot when a property say goes to auction for an example they're able to spot this one we can pick this one up cheap a lot of those sourcing agents get properties pre-auction and post-auction so really what you're doing is not competing with the masses and that means you don't have to pay full price
2: yeah, I okay. have a final question. A final question, Tom. Um, is that it might it might come of experience when you when you walk into a property and you're starting to, and you start to assess areas where you can add value. Is do do you is that something that a skill set that you adopt over time, or does the estate agent um suggest things, or do you bring a builder or or someone with you who who goes around with you and says, oh yeah, the bathroom kitchen you know and uh, that process there
0: yes a bit of both um so for me personally if i go in and see a property i guess instinctively now you can work out what value you can add the most basic adding of value is going to be refurbishment of course trying to find something that's a bit run down um and then you have to offset that about uh, against the amount that you pay to, to buy that place um so general rule of thumb is if you're going to spend if you're going to spend money on a refurbishment it can't be any more than 75% of the amount that the value will increase by from you doing that that job and the reason for that is if you go and spend let's say let's say by doing a a light refurbishment you're going to increase the value of the property by 10,000 you can only withdraw up to seventy-five percent of any value of a property,
2: right? Okay. So
0: don't spend more than seven and a half grand to increase the value by t- t- by ten thousand, because you yeah, won't be yeah, able all right. to pull that money back out. So it's not really worth doing it.
2: Yeah.
0: At the okay. same time, you work it out in your work it out in your two year strategy. So if you can spend. I oh, know i'm just making this up if you if you can spend 10 grand on a property and increase the value by 20 nice because you know that in two years time i can get all that money back mm. plus interest if you want yeah but the other side to that so that's if i see a property um normally the sourcing agents that i connect you up with will also give you some of their opinions on what options you can do with this property you know, yeah, you might have, right. for example, really good. Another really good way to add value is if you get um, uh, a house, for an example, that's got a uh, a massive. Hang on, how, how am I thinking this? Yeah, so if you buy a flat, for an example, that's got a really big um, kitchen or a really big kitchen diner, something like that, you turn mm-hmm. that into a kitchen lounge and make another bedroom. In the yeah right so they're they're really popular at the moment kitchen lounges um and it's because what people are doing is buying a one-bed flat turning it into a two-bed flat by making Mm. a by turning the lounge into another bedroom and making a kitchen lounge so you know various bits like that you could get houses that've got a huge master bedroom that you can turn into two extra bedrooms you could build into the loft you can add an extension um in some cases you can turn a two-bedroom house that's got an upstairs bathroom into a three-bedroom house and stick the bathroom downstairs. There's mm. yeah, loads of different ways. But the golden rule of thumb is that it cannot cost any more than 75% of the value that it's going to increase by. Um, Thank you. Yes, yeah, so that's it. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> generally speaking, in these calls, I tend to just waffle on and just chuck all <laughs> this knowledge out at you, but I hope you managed to get a bit of
1: um, some tips out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a huge help. It has been a massive help. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a notepad. I've notepad full here of notes as well. Um, like you said, obviously, Curtis and I are going to have a, a chat at some point later on today, um, about this, but it's, it's been a massive help Tom, because, like, like you said, we've we, we listened to all the books, all the podcasts, and you know, we we take all the advice as, as much as possible. Um, and yeah, it's just about taking the plunge, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. but but being but but we wanted to be obviously we want it to be calculated, you know? So, so all this information you've given us is, yeah, it's is, is invaluable, I would say. Yeah. And just on that as well, thank you for your time. We, we put down 30 minutes, but it's been like an hour 10. So again, <laughs> uh, thank you for your time, because honestly, because, you know, time it, i was going to say the cliche thing but like you said our time is our most valuable thing commodity that we have so yeah i was going to say the other cliche time is money but <laughs> come, on <now. laughs> come
0: on now well look i hope yeah. we get a chance to work together and talk together again but it's been a pleasure lads
1: yeah thank right, you very much so. Tom, and yeah hopefully I'll speak yeah. to you soon in the future take care now you
0: certainly will take care Bye bye. <laughs>